It's a hot day in ancient Israel. It's 20 AD, and you're about to start building your house. Now, when you build this house, there's no bulldozers. There's no power tools. It's you, your hands, and the ground. And you're building it for your family. And it's about 100 degrees out. And just like this picture, you're looking over the Sea of Galilee. Now, due to the high clay content in the ground and in the, in the soil, it's actually it's a pretty hard surface to dig through. And so as you start to work, it's a long day. And you're trying to figure out, how deep do I want to dig? Because you know that the rainy season is coming. Now, the rainy season in Galilee is no small thing. Uh, actually, this January, uh, we, we, they experienced a pretty intense storm. Check out a, a snippet from this article. It says, Israel's worst storm of the season was hitting its peak Friday. With gusts reaching 100 kilometers an hour and flooding expected in towns from northern Galilee to the Negev in the desert. Between 30 and 50 millimeters of rainfall fell overnight between Thursday and Friday in Galilee, causing the Sea of Galilee to rise two centimeters within hours. The storm is expected to reach peak in the afternoon with eight meter waves expected on the beaches of Tel Aviv. Heavy rains can sometimes cause floods and mudslides that carry landmines outside fenced in minefields, which are surrounded by barbed wire and marked with yellow and red warning signs. On Hayef Saran Street, part of a well surrounding an underground gas, oh, sorry, excuse me, part of a wall surrounding an underground gas depository collapsed due to wind and rain. And so, as you build, you know that because you have no power tools, no concrete, you're going to have to build deep for the storm. When the rainy season comes, you must be prepared. And so as you dig, and you dig, and you dig, you dig nine feet down, and you still haven't touched rock. And after one hole, you're like, oh my goodness, I don't think I can get all the way to the rock. I don't know how far it goes. And so instead of digging all the way down to the rock, you just, you build nine feet down, four pillars, and you set up your your house for the winter. And then the storm comes. And could you imagine the horror of seeing your whole foundation start to slide away because you didn't build on the rock? You know, we see here, even, in, in, even just recently, one of the walls collapsed due to wind and rain. These winds and rains move. They loosen the clay, which moves and creates mudslides. And so what happens is in your, as you're in the house, the foundation starts to move and you'll see the walls start to bend inward and then... You know, in 20 AD, you're building with, with, you know, pieces of rock, rocks that you find. And so one at a time, you start seeing rocks pop out of your house. And could you imagine being with your family in this house as it's about to go down? It'd be pretty intense, right? And honestly, this is a reality for a lot of people. Hearing the, hearing the beam snap would just be like, oh my gosh, I should have built on the rock. And... You know, I think something that we have in common with these people is that we're all building something right now. 
We're all building something with our life. The reason that you're in school, the reason that you went to school, the reason that you have a job, the reason that you're married or have a family, wherever you're at in life, you're building something. You're building something for the future. You're building something to support yourself, to secure yourself for your life. And what I want to do is look at what Jesus has to say about how we should build our lives and where we should build them. So turn your Bibles over to Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 7. We're going to pick up in verse 21 here. If you don't have a Bible, you can look on the screen. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Okay, where are we picking up here? Who's here in this passage? So Jesus has just been preaching the Sermon on the Mount, right? And so he's out in northern Galilee and the people that have kind of gathered around him are from a bunch of different uh, surrounding countryside. In Matthew 4, we learn that he says, He went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. And great crowds followed from Galilee and the Decapolis, which means the ten cities, and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. And so Jesus is this really diverse group of people following him, right? They're from all over the place. Some of these would, be, would have been Hellenistic Jews. They would have been Greek in descent. Others would have been Hebraic. And, you know, all of these people are gathering and following Jesus because they're seeing him do these really amazing things. But they're also trying to figure out who is this Jesus, right? Jesus is going around and he's claiming this is almost similar parallel to the Mount Sinai moment where Moses goes up to the mountain and hears the instruction from God. And so when these, these followers and these disciples go up to this mountain on this, or more of a grassy hill really, to hear Jesus teach, he starts preaching what God gave the Jews, the Torah. He starts preaching the Torah, but he starts teaching it differently. He says, you know, the Torah says this, but I say this. And it was, it was kind of, there would have been this weird tension where it's like, who do you think you are to say that you... You're changing the Torah. Like, how, do, how is this all playing together? And, you know, as they would have heard him preaching about this, they would have been thinking about a similar, there's a similar story in Isaiah um, where he also talks about a tenement that's built, being built and whether or not it will survive the storm. So in Isaiah 28, verse 15 through 18, it says, You boast, we have entered into a covenant with death. We, with the realm of the dead, we have made an agreement. When an overwhelming scourge sweeps by, it cannot touch us, for we have made a lie our refuge and falsehood our hiding place. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. 
The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Hail will sweep away your refuge, the lie, and the water will overflow your hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled. Your agreement with the realm of the dead will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge sweeps by, you will be beaten down by it. We see similar imagery here, right? It's talking about this house. There's two covenants, two places to build. The rock or this other lie of a covenant. And really what uh, Isaiah was writing about was uh, the the Israelites had made a covenant with Egypt. Okay, you guys are going to be able to defend us as the Assyrians. The Assyrians were crazy. They were like modern day Nazis for how we think about Nazis today. They would skin Jews alive. They'd stack their heads on walls. I mean, these were really, really scary people. And so the Israelites were like, look, we're going to trust and the Egyptians, and, and God's like, no, 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 no. You've made a covenant. Your covenant is a lie. You think they can protect you, but you don't think I can protect you. And what he's getting at in this passage for them was you've got a false foundation. You've got a false foundation. You're building on something that is not going to last. And for the people that are listening to Jesus here, he's trying to say the same thing. Look, you guys, you Jews, have a false foundation foundation for your relationship with God. You have a security that cannot deliver you. And the false hope uh, that these people would have been relying back on would have been uh, their observance of the Torah. It would have been their, their dutiful observance of the Old Testament laws. They were able to do all of these great things. They were able to wash the cups and the dishes and make sure that they didn't touch dead bodies. And all of these really kind of crazy laws that the, not crazy, but you know, specific laws uh, that were very outward in the Torah. But they missed the heart. And so what Jesus actually says to these Jews later on is that these people, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. He's like, you guys have gotten all of the like outward activities right, but you're missing me. You're missing the heart. You're relying on something that can't carry you. All of your religious activity, all of your lip service, all of these different things that you're you're, you're paying homage to me with, relying on your ancestry, you know, those things can't save you. And then he says something for us, right? So he's, he's saying it for them, but then he says, and then there will be people that come in my name that say, Lord, Lord, and do all of these miracles and outwardly powerful things, but I never knew them. And that is scary. That is what's written for us. And, you know, for me, I think I can really rely on a false foundation. You know, I grew up, my parents were ministers. When I grew up. And so if, you, if, you, if there's an ancestry to rely on, <laughs> that was me. That was my ancestry, right? In, in terms of being outwardly religious, I mean, I was at every church service. I was at every midweek. I was there early. I stayed the latest because I was, I was part of the, I was the ministry kid. I was the preacher's kid, right? I mean, I had all my friends were in the church. And I mean, I did uh, camps and, you know, I sang and I did worship and all of these outward things. Paying all this lip service. But... Those things were not enough to save me in the storm. You know, when I, when I, was, when I went through, through high school um, and middle school, I think I, oftentimes I relied a lot on myself. My foundation was, 
All of those things, all those outwardly religious things were really based on my circumstance. And so when my circumstance meant that it would be most beneficial for me to be a Christian or seem like a Christian, well, that's where I would be a Christian. But once I was away, once I was with my friends, everything changed. There was no foundation. It was a shifting sand. When it was convenient and acceptable to be extremely perverse, to be racist, to be uh, just a complete jerk towards people to be uh, lustful about women and talk about women and mistreat women. Well, then I was that way, right? Whenever, wherever my circumstance, my circumstance determined my conviction. And so even though I had this, 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 this really beautiful looking life, it was, it was hollow. It was hollow. And I even just appreciate Theron and, and Sam talking about so much about, man, how when I built on all these other things, it wasn't a sure foundation. I was left empty. And that, similar to what Isaiah was saying, I think my foundation was a lie. Um, those things couldn't save me. And, you know, I think, I think for us, uh, we have to ask, what, what foundation are we building on? Are we building on a false foundation? You know, I think a lot of times we can come back and say, you know, I got this spiritual resume, actually, that makes me pretty, uh, I'm pretty great. I mean, I'm not trying to like brag or anything, but you know, I mean, I got good grades. I got good friends. You remember how Sam was sharing these things, right? I think because we think, oh, well, I'm not in storm season right now. I don't need God. And even if I did, look at all the stuff that I've done, right? I mean, I play music. I, I, I've led a ministry, or at least I attend small groups some weeks, or I attend a large group. Or, you know, I, I don't really read the Bible, but I grew up Christian. I think I'm good. I was confirmed, you know? Or, hey, you know, I, I, you know, I don't really read the Bible anymore. Or, or maybe I read it sometimes. You know, I, I've shared my faith before. I've gone on mission trips in foreign countries. You know, uh, I serve the poor. I'm nice to people. Isn't it, it, doesn't all religion just come back to being a good person anyway, right? And maybe, maybe you don't even believe in God. Maybe it actually just comes back to, I'm just a good person. Look at my good person resume. Look at my, you look how athletic I am or look how well I treat the earth, you know what I mean, or other people around me. I don't need God to be a good person, right? I don't need God to, you know, um, be kind to those in need or accomplish a lot. I, I, I just don't see, there's no, there hasn't been really many storms in my life. And so I don't really see a need to go down to the rock um, because, you know, I do yoga. And so I have a spiritual experience every week, uh, Thursdays at six. Um, sorry, I can't make it to Bible talk because of that. Um, and, you know, I think the point that Jesus makes here is it doesn't matter how beautiful of a house that you build. Because if it's not more than just religious activity or lip service or being a good person or your ancestry, it will not stand. Relationship with God is all about the foundation. But I think it leaves us in kind of a tricky spot, though, because what he's saying is, okay, you know, these people come up to him and they say, Lord, Lord. And, you know, they're doing all these really religious things. And he says, no, it's only the one that does the will of my father. And then so it's kind of like. Well, what, am, what are they missing, right? I mean, none of us have, dri- I mean, I don't think any of us have driven out demons before or healed the sick or done these mighty works. And so I think it kind of leaves us a little insecure, right? Like, okay, well then what am I supposed to do? Like, do I need to do more than that? And I think if we're careful and read the scripture wrong, we can actually become more hypocritical because we're doing more religious stuff, but that doesn't make us more right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so the, the, there's kind of this tension that's built here of, well, then what do I do? Then what do we do? Because we see a lot of people that are right in their relationship with God doing those same things. Those are things the apostles did. And the the solution comes in this next part of the passage 
where he says, whoever hears me and does it is someone that is founded on the rock, right? And uh, I think that the point that he's making here is you got to rely upon the cornerstone. If you want to be sure that your relationship with God is going gonna, is gonna to stand, you got to rely upon the cornerstone. And, you know, I, if you guys remember that the scripture that we just looked at in Isaiah talked about there was this promise of this cornerstone that he was going to lay down, you know, for, for Israel to be able to rely upon. And it kind of seems like it's out of nowhere. I mean, we know that he's talking about building a house, but what is he talking about? And just to give you some context, a cornerstone in, uh, in you know, it, it talks about in that passage specifically, it talks about a precious cornerstone. It talks about this. It was a really sacred part of the building because it was the thing that the whole house depended on to stand. Um, the cornerstone, uh, the, the original meaning was that it was some important stone which was laid at the foundation of a building. And the, the Hebrew word for corner is actually uh, implied, uh, it implies that it's a root or, or a turning point. It's like this turning um, or edge or corner of a house. And, you know, the, the Jews likely in this time that are listening to Jesus is like, well, we already have a cornerstone. We have the temple. Actually, in, in the Holy of Holies, there was this like square little rock that was like elevated in the temple and it was considered to be like the one of the most holy places in judaism but jesus knew just as the assyrians were coming to destroy the israelites and they had made a covenant with egypt he's like no no no. the romans are coming in just a couple years in like 40 years and they're going to destroy this whole temple and the claim that he's making is even bigger he's saying i am the temple I am the fulfillment of the Torah. I know that you guys used to do this way, a different way before, but now it's me or nothing. If you don't build on me, you are not going to stand through the storms. You have no chance. And that is, I think that's why the, it says they were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one that had authority. And, you know, Jesus, okay, and then this is the even crazier part. You want to know how layered this gets? Jesus was a stone mason. There's not a lot of actual wood. A lot of people think that he was a carpenter because of his father. And it's not that he couldn't have worked with wood. But actually, most of ancient Israel is not filled with wood. It's filled with stones. And so Jesus would have understood this work. And he's like, if you want to know where you got to build to stand through the storms, then you got to find and follow me. I am the turning point. I am that precious cornerstone that is coming. I am the way. I am the fulfillment of the Torah. I am God. That is what he's saying. That's what the Jews would have heard. And that's why they would have been amazed. Because it's one thing for a person to say that. But if you've been following him all the way through Galilee, seeing him heal all these people miraculously and doing all this stuff, you've got to imagine if you're there, you're, you're thinking about it. I mean, if I said that, like, there's not a lot of clout to that. But if you've just seen Jesus heal people, like heal someone that you've seen suffering your whole life, you'd start thinking about, well, maybe, maybe this guy isn't so crazy. Maybe this guy really is who he says he is. And for us, maybe this guy really is the foundation that we need to build on. And the thing is... Just as we were read about at the beginning, Jesus knows the storms that are coming in our life. 
This is actually our apartment complex a week ago. <laughs> uh, a lightning bolt hit our apartment complex, and then there was another fire, and that's what happened. And the crazy thing is that I think we can think about the story and be like, yeah, you know, the Romans were coming or the Assyrians were coming. Okay, we understand. Like, there were storms back then. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. There are storms right now. There are storms coming in each of our lives right now. And I'm not trying to be some, like, weird prophet that's like, you will die one day. And they're like, oh, it's true. What? But, like, I think we do go through these storms, right? These things happen. We go through hard times. We go through depression. We go through losing friends. We go through times where we just don't know where we are, who we are, what we want, or what we believe. And these are really, really important questions. And I think, you know, honestly, for our life stage, a lot of people, this is when we figure that out. This is when we figure out what are my priorities going to be? What do I care about? What is going to make me secure? Is it my job? Is it my friends? Is it just myself? Do I just have to rely on myself? Where I think a lot of times we can, we can go from hollow foundation to hollow foundation to hollow foundation. And, our storm, and the storm knocks us over every time. And we feel like there's nowhere to build that's safe. There's nowhere to build that is safe. But the amazing thing about Jesus is Jesus is a safe place to build. There is nowhere more secure than you can build in Jesus. And how do we know that we're building on Jesus? You know, in this prophecy of Isaiah, he says that I'll make righteousness, I believe, the plumb line. And he talks about uh, using justice to build the house as well. And, and I think it, it correlates to this passage here. The way that we know that we're relying on Jesus is not because our parents are Christians. It's not because we go to small group. It's not because we go to large group. It's not because we have religious friends. It's not because we're a good person. It's not because of all of these other things. The reason that we know that we're building on Jesus is the way that you know that you have faith and trust in Jesus, the way that you know you're actually following him is you listen to what he says and you do it. You listen to what he says and you do it. Honestly, a lot of the time that I spent listening and I heard the words of Jesus, I heard them through my parents, I heard them through my friends, but I, I heard them in worship music, but I didn't hear them from the word in the Bible. And I'll say this, if you guys don't read your Bible and you haven't ever had a consistent pattern of reading your Bible, you might not be a Christian because you might be building on a foundation that someone else has laid that looks like, that looks like rock, but it really isn't. They say that the rock is sometimes 10 feet deep. In this, in this soil. That takes hard work. That's a shovel in hands. Have you guys ever tried to dig a like three foot hole? Oh my gosh, on the beach? It's like exhausting. Like literally, I'll be standing there for two hours like, and I get like three feet deep and I'm like, I'm done. I can't do this. Can you imagine having to dig 10 deep? It takes hard work to walk closely with Jesus. This isn't just some easy, emotional, easy believism kind of gospel that Jesus preaches. It's hard work, but it's so rewarding because where else are you going to build your foundation? Where else are you going to be able to stand? Where else is your family really going to be able to carry you through your whole life? They're going to be gone. Is your spouse really going to be able to be your love and your joy forever? You guys are going to fight. You guys, you know how high the divorce rate is? What are you going to build on yourself? You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, God forbid, like any of us, like the the storm is out here. Like we could lose our house, right? Like we don't, we're not in control. I think we think that we've got this really secure, solid, airtight, you know, I'm going to graduate in four years and then go to grad school and I'm going to make a lot of money and sit down on a white picket French in Harrisonburg and, you know, just sip wine from the local vineyard. And, and that's just not how life works. You don't know 
We don't know what storms are coming in our life. If they knew, they would have built to the rock. And that's why he's like, you're a fool. If you don't build on the rock, if you don't build on the foundation. And who are we to say that the living God is not the foundation that we are supposed to be building on? That is it. Jesus is the foundation. And if, you, if you're not sure, if you, if you feel like Jesus has maybe failed you, or you feel like maybe I, I, I'm just not sure if I can really know that Jesus is who he says he is, have you really listened to his words? Have you, really, have you really tried to put them into practice? I'm not asking you, have you gone to church? I'm not asking you, have you gone to, you know, be a part of something else? Or all the other examples I keep saying over and over again. But have you listened to Jesus and really done what he said? Have you done the hard work it takes to be connected to God? You know, I just want to encourage us with this last thought here that what if we were really founded on the rock? What if we really follow Jesus? And I'm not just preaching to the campus students here. I'm preaching to all the older disciples as well. Have you stopped listening to Jesus? Is it just all talk? Is it all just, oh, religious activity? I go to church on Sunday or, hey, brother, good to see you. Nice, good side hug. Yeah, that's going to get me an extra point in heaven. Like, no, it's not. We got to stay humble. We got to listen to Jesus. But what if we did? How transformative would that be for our lives? How unshakable would we be when hard things come? Hard things are coming all the time. We're based in Charlottesville, like with the riots and all this crazy stuff, people dying. I mean, we got to wake up. The storms are real and Jesus is too. And I think if we could just really walk with Jesus, that wouldn't just transform us. We can teach other people to build that foundation as well. When you've built that foundation with Jesus, you can teach other people to get founded on the rock. Because we want everybody. The the amazing thing about this passage is Jesus doesn't just want us to read our Bible more. He doesn't want us to just act right more. He doesn't want us to just be doing more. He wants us to be able to stand through the storms. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. To God be the glory. Let's uh, stand up for a final song.